Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. Recently, Craig and I went to the Voices of Dentistry and did a presentation. Um, it, if you haven't heard me say this before, Voices of Dentistry is a super cool conference, it's super engaging. I was really impressed with the production of it this year. This is the second year. It's, it seems like it's, it doubled from um, its inception, which was last year in Nashville, to this year in Scottsdale, and it's going to be in Scottsdale again. Regardless, I uh, wanted to do a repost of our presentation that day, and uh, yeah, we really enjoyed it. Hope you do as well. Dr. Peter Bolden has built a successful fee-for-service three-location enterprise in Atlanta and is the owner of a practice in North Georgia. Dr. Bolden is passionate about both clinical dentistry and the business of dentistry, creating systems and processes, developing marketing programs that work, and building an office culture that focuses on the patient's dental experience. He co-hosts the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast with Dr. Craig Spodak. Dr. Craig Spodak, the other tall drink of water up here, Dr. Craig Spodak is a third-generation dentist who inherited his father's practice in 2006. Dr. Craig is very active in the Delray Beach community and currently serves on the board of directors for All Star Smiles Foundation, the board of directors for aid to victims of domestic violence, and has served as a chairman of Delray Beach Planning and Zoning Board. If you guys don't know of these guys, these guys are both my heroes. Uh, a lot of people talk about Craig's office and the fact that it is a eight-figure office, single location, eight-figure office. Really, really impressive. And of course, this guy, this guy, uh, three very, very successful practices. Um, and the four, sorry, four very, you have it right here on, it says three. Hey, hey, you need to update. <laughs> four very successful practices in the Georgia um, market, Atlanta market. Thank you guys so much for being Man, here. Pleasure. Take All it right. away, my friends. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the, uh, the intro. Yeah, mic check. You're going to do a mic I'm going to request that you guys clap now. Excited <laughs> to be here. This is a, we, I was at the last Voices of Dentistry, did not speak, and I'm, I was commenting to Mark on how it's awesome to see how it's literally looks like it's 5x from last year, and I anticipate the growth. The energy's been awesome at this conference, and I go to a lot of dental conferences, so it's good to, good to see. Am I echoing a little bit? I'm going to tone it. I'm going to pull this down, right? Down a little better? Is that better? Cool, guys. Um, anyway, like Mark said, we're, we're really honored to be here. The, the purpose of, hey, do you have a slide pusher? Uh, no, we don't. We're, we're kind of doing this on the fly. Can we get a slide advance or two? Funny thing is, I, I showed up kind of late last night. I got to the event at about 5 p.m. I'm like, Peter, how's the energy? He's hey, like, it's put your mic down. I, think I showed up kind of late last night. I looked over at Peter. I'm like, how's the energy in the room? He's like, oh, it's awesome. And... Um, I'm like, well, what's what's what have been the lecture so far? Is that you know, is it you know, younger audience or people like dropping f bombs? Like, what's going on? He's like, oh, there's been no cursing whatsoever. Everything's been pretty mundane. Five minutes later, um, I, I, when I walked in and actually got into the lecture stage, I saw the guy in the pink suit, and everything went to total. Yeah, and there was know, penis and vagina. Yeah, and then I figured like it's freaking wide open. Like we have nothing that we can do up here. 
that would even move anyone. the needle on the who gives a crap meter or offend anybody. So thank you to those two guys. I don't know if you guys are here right now, but thank you for keeping this uh, uh, venue wide, wide open. open. It was awesome. So the, the goal for today really is to make sure that you guys can leave or everyone can leave with just a, a pearl or something. Really, ideas that you can, we can take back Monday morning. I think so long, so many times we go to conventions or or presentations, and it's like, yeah, that was good in theory, but like, give me some ground game stuff that's going to up my game Monday morning. And really, that's the goal because we cherish y'all's time, and you've traveled, and you're away from your families, and spent money, and like, you know, we're here to provide value, truly. Uh, yeah, we're, it's a total honor to be here, and we do recognize the time commitment, so we want to leave everybody with at least one piece of actionable advice. So that's that's our goal here. Yeah, so we stand before you. Collectively, our practices are around, great. <laughs> Collectively, our practices are around $17 million. And that's truly not to impress anyone other than to say, like, we have the chops to kind of talk about some things and give some lessons that we've learned along the way. Our road has been bumpy as shit, like all of y'all's. And it continues to be bumpy. And my problems, as I've grown my practices, have not changed. They've just evolved. And I still eat shit. Constantly in practices that I put out, you know, I tell Craig I'm literally like a firefighter more or less these days. Um, but it's you know, like I said on the slide, it, it's you know, getting ass kickings and still receiving that. It's just a different, different context now. Yeah, I think people may look at us, um, or some people may look at us. Or I, even people say to me sometimes, uh, "I want what you have. I want a large multi-specialty practice, a big dental hospital." And I always ask. I mean, even Paul, once we talked, he's like, "Hey, I want to do something big." I'm like, "Well, why do you want to do it?" So, well, I don't know. I should just do something big. And um, when you get down to the root cause of what you're seeking, it's always fulfillment. And success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. So for me, it was a very personal thing. And dentistry is a snowflake. Every single practice can be completely individual to express your own personal fulfillment. So don't look at us like it's all easy where we're at. It's really freaking tough. I mean, just literally a week and a half ago, Pete called me. He's like, man, this sucks. I got to pull the ethic card, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, you know, this and this and this. We can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And I feel really blessed to have him as a friend. And we just want to share that same relationship that we have with each other with all of you. Because this is not, we are not done. And it's still very difficult. And there's tons of challenges. And you're never really done. But at the end of the day, happiness and fulfillment is not the absence of problems. It's in solving problems. So we all have this mythical idea that one day problems will not exist anymore and everything's gonna be freaking gravy. That's bullshit. Happiness is the action of solving problems. All we do in life is get better quality problems. Some of us in the room may have problems like how do I pay my mortgage? How do I pay my staff? How do I, you know, put some money away in my 401k? Or some of us may be like, how do I open up my ninth and 10th or 12th practice? Just better quality problems in life. Yeah, so our stories are a little bit unique, and we're going to get to what, what we define as what makes a practice bulletproof and why we stand on that foundation of a bulletproof dental practice and the podcast and what that means, and there's four pillars of that. But we kind of want to get to the story and give a little context to how we got there. Um, Craig's story is a little bit more interesting than mine, so I'm going to let you go. <laughs> well, we'll see if it's interesting or not. So I'm a third-generation dentist. Uh, I started with my father back in 1998. I graduated from Tufts and joined him right away. When I was in school, he would say to me all the time, like, hey, you got to get done with school. I'm overwhelmed. There's so much stuff going on here. I need you so bad. We need to get, need you get in here. There's tons of patients. I can't do the business all alone. So right around six months before I started grad, uh, got ready to graduate, my dad's tone changed a little bit. 
You know, like maybe you shouldn't, you know, I don't know if you should come here. You know, it's not that busy. I'm like, God, what the hell? What are you talking about? So anyway, I joined my dad's practice in 1998. And from 1998 to 2006, I worked directly for my dad. And my dad ran a very different type of business than I would ever want to run. His idea of a great employee was how little he could pay someone and still have them show up. So he hired, one day he came to me, he's like, oh my God, Craig, I got the best assistant for you. So I'm really psyched. So I meet this girl, he's like, I'm like, why is she so great? He's like, she's $6.50 per hour. And literally, she was freaking overpaid. She scared the shit out of me. She was literally scary. I'm like, she can't comfort me or assist the patients. She had like, I think one of those big old net tattoos, you know, awesome. going on. Those are good. Yeah, literally, patients. it should have just said unemployable right yeah, here. Is basically what it should have said. Especially in dentistry, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Face tattoos. So long story longer. I worked for my dad. 1998 to 2006 were awesome years in Florida. We had an economic boom. Um, the dot com bubble was, you know, not yet burst. And our practice was totally flat, literally flat. And I said to my dad in 2005, because I met my wife, um, the girl that became my wife, I said, Dad, I can't live, I can't raise a family on what I'm making. I'm making literally less than my hygienists make right now. I said, I love you, Dad, but I got to go. I'm going to go do my own thing. So my dad said, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, you don't have to do that. I'm going to want to retire soon, and I'll give you the practice. I'm only going to work for two or three years. So I have a deal for you, Craig. I said, what's up? And he said, why don't you pay me like 80% of what I do for like two or three years? Because, you know, in two or three years, I'll retire, and everything will be fine, and you won't have to pay that much more. So um, I'm proud to say that it's now 11 years later, 12 years later, I kind of renegotiated a little bit. My dad's still working, so that wasn't, that wasn't exactly the right plan. But I always had a dream to do a dental hospital. I love school at Tufts, and I love the academic nature of having, um, you know, bouncing ideas off of different specialists and different GPs. And dentistry can get lonely. I think that's why we have such a cohesive and wonderful group here, because we're all sharing ideas. So I had the benefit of having that in my practice. So my dream was to build this big old dental hospital, and I had... A, a crazy idea. I had no business acumen. I just got my ass kicked so many times. I, I feel like I've got like a $5 million business degree just in the amount of um, experience I've had. But I went to different banks. I told them about my concept. No one would ever loan me any money. This is 2010. And banks will always give you money when you don't need it. But when you need it, they won't give you shit. So finally, I met a bank and the guy gave me the money or he said he's going to fund me. I told the construction company we we're going to start building our building, 13,000 square foot building, pretty, pretty crazy at the time. I had no idea what was stacked against me. I was just pretty naive going for it. So at the 11th hour, right before the closing table, the banker calls me up and said, hey man, we got to pull the plug. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we, we did our calculations and it's too, it's too aggressive. And he says, but I want to go to lunch with you. And uh, he took me to lunch. He said, listen, son, I can call you son because I'm 60 years old. He's like, you got a great idea. I think it's awesome, but you're way too overzealous here. You're going to get your ass kicked and you have a family and it's irresponsible of you and don't pursue this dream. And I was really crushed and I didn't listen to him and I found another bank. Uh, a bank silly enough to loan me the money, and I did it. And just to wrap up, I built the building. It went over budget. It went over time uh, constraints. And when I moved in, I had what is equivalent to a complete nervous breakdown. I built the building. My rent payment was going from $6,000 a month to $35,000. And I'm sitting in my office like, what the hell did I do? Why did I do this? And um, it was a very touching moment because I was in my office and I was actually crying. And my dad walks by and um, 
I was crying like a five-year-old, like, you know, like with the snot coming out, heaving and crying. I can't even fucking talk. And my dad puts his arms around me, and I'm holding him like a little boy would hold, you know, his father. And my dad whispers in my ears, like, you're the strongest guy I know, and no matter what, you will not fail, because I won't let you fail. I'll work for free. I'll work seven days a week. The money that I generate, you could pay the mortgage. And uh, by the grace of God, um, the bank forgot about me. And instead of giving me the $35,000 loan payment that was due, I got lost in paperwork because the bank got sold. So I had a 10-month float. Every month, I'm expecting to this, for this mortgage payment to come, $35,000. I have like freaking forty-five in the bank. Next month, I have seventy, a $70,000 payment coming. It doesn't come. So hard work, preparation, and the grace of God got me to this point. And I weathered the storm, and I built the practice, and it's a happy story, but there's still shit tons of challenges. And I just wanted to share that with you because I don't want you to think it's easy and it's um, not scary because I'm still scared, and we have big operations, and my overhead is massive, uh, and uh, we're having fun. So sorry to chew up a lot of the bandwidth, but that's my story. Look at the time, just tick, tick away. I know, bro. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm I'm going to have to hit 2x on my speed like a podcast. You can blast through it. So my, my story, some of y'all have heard, really, the reason I started, wanted to start a dental podcast in the beginning is, is really an effort to pay it forward. I learned so much from the people who have come before me that I really thought it was a good thing to just enter. My wife asked me once upon a time when I started, it's like, yeah, why are you starting? Because you need a podcast? Like, why are you doing this, right? And it truly was just, just to give back because I've got, given, gotten so much from our profession. Um, so let me back up a little bit and give it, I'm going to start at 2015. Mine's not going to go all the way back to where, where Craig's was, but my story. 1998. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started a fee-for-service practice. Everyone, um, at, back in 2004, actually, I guess I will go back real quickly. 2004, and everyone said, do not, actually, 2002, everyone said, do not do this. You will fail. Um, I had a founding partner at the time, and we were in business together for 10 years and grew it kind of slow, slowly, expanded. Around 2015, we started arguing, like a lot of partnerships do. Um, we, and it was unfortunately about money. And her husband was an attorney, and it kind of just got, got ugly really quickly. So unfortunately, we broke up. And at the time, I had accrued all my life savings, and it came down to the ninth hour, and we, we were at kind of a standstill what we were going to do. And I decided that I wanted to save the company and literally thrust everything that I've ever made my entire life towards purchasing my company back. So this was in June of 2015. In July of 2015, I had found out that, that my books had been cooked and I had been stolen from $545,000. Um, so meanwhile, it kind of threw my world upside down. Number one, I was alone. Number two, the, the, the whole financial security of my building, my, my business was kind of at risk, and now I had no nest egg to, to bail me out. Um, then I had some family strains. Like my, at that, around this time, my uh, my son was born six weeks premature, and so he was in the hospital for a long time. A lot of stuff going on. If any of y'all know about prematurity, everything is cool now, but it was a strain. And literally, I was at the end of my rope, and it was the first time in my career that I literally was like, "I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done." I started talking to, "Well, what am I going to do? I'm just going to sell." And literally, I, I pulled the plug and said. I'm going to talk to Heartland, because that was the only thing I knew to do. Obviously decided not to do that. Changed my tone and said, you know what, I've gotten this far, I can do this again. And literally just kind of plowed my way out of it. Um, and I said, okay, so 2015 kicked my ass, and I tell people that 2016 became my best year. Literally because I told myself, just do one more day, one more day, just get to the end of the year, get to Christmas time. 
And I just kind of ground my way out of it. And I said, if I ever get out of this shithole that I'm in, that I am going to, life was happening to me, right? Like I was becoming the, the circumstance of my, my environment. I was like, I'm going to reverse engineer and really take, it, take hold of my life. And so that's kind of how the bulletproof practice started, or that methodology started. And I said, there's probably four areas which I really need to get a hold of, and we're going to show you what those are, that I really can make sure that these things don't go sideways again, because I do not want to be back in that situation ever again. So that's my story. Not as, there was no tears. Well, there were tears, but they were not with my father. It was just me yeah. in my bedroom by myself. Yeah. Sometimes those are better. So that's what the Bulletproof practice is. And Peter and I met kind of through social media a long time ago. What was it, like 2014, 13? No, geez, before that. Before I built the building, I was watching this guy. So I'd always like look at his Instagram and his Facebook. I'd give it to marketing people. I'd be like, this is the guy I want to copy. And little did I know, he was kind of doing the same thing with us uh, in, in Florida. So we have a lot of commonalities. We have a common story. But the one thing that we share is this idea that Resiliency and your psychology can actually power you through a lot. If you're going through a lot right now, if you have something that's crushing your balls and you're really, or I'm sorry to make a male analogy, if it's really crushing yeah, good your, job, your spirits, yeah, sorry. And I'm, I'm the guy with the pink suit now. But if, if you have somebody that's, if you have something that's really, really hard on you and it's really crushing your spirit, there is a possible way if you have your psychology right about it. Because um, a, a, a very famous, um, person that I follow, a mentor of mine, he says that um, the chokehold on your business is the psychology and skill set of the owner. And of those two things, the psychology is 80%. So if you actually believe that you're going through a tough time and you think it's never gonna you're never going to come out of it, guess what? You're probably not going to get out of it. So you got to be resilient. So please, Peter. So in the next 33 minutes, we're going to quickly talk about some of the pillars and, and just give some examples and things that we've learned along the way that, that quote unquote, what we think makes a bulletproof practice today. Right? This isn't in perpetuity, this is just in today's, because obviously we've all heard about uh, the, the landscape of dentistry changing so much. So it's a vision and leadership, a team and culture, um, marketing and reputation management all go into a bucket, and then obviously your systems and metrics and numbers. Those are the things that I feel as though you have to pay attention to as a practitioner, as a business um, owner, um, to make yourself quote unquote bulletproof. Oh, I think I'm going backwards. You're going backwards, bro. Long-time listener, first-time caller. You can admit, yeah. So obviously the vision of leadership. As, as leaders, and we're all leaders in the practice, I remember I lectured, I did an Invisalign lecture a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was speaking in Southwest Florida, and I told them about becoming a lead or 1% or raising your Invisalign goals, and someone raises their hand, and she says, listen, you practice in a really nice area in Southeast Florida. It's very affluent over there. Where we live, they don't do Invisalign. And I said, you know, Diane, she's a female dentist. I'm like, how far away do you practice from this hotel? It's like literally like one mile that way. I was like, that way? I'm like, well, about a mile, when I came into town last night, about a mile that way, there was a brand new Mercedes-Benz dealership. Don't you think when Mercedes-Benz, you know, builds a new dealership that they do enough demographics to know that they're building in an area that can actually sustain a Mercedes-Benz dealership? She goes, yeah, of course. So I'm like, so her psychology of that we live in a bad area or that PPOs are taking over, HMOs are taking over, if that's your belief system, if that's what you believe, you're communicating it to your, to your team and your team can never exceed those expectations. As a leader, owner, dentist in the practice, you set the tone. So if you're coming into work like, oh, freaking Monday, give me some coffee, oh God, work again, your team is crushed. They're totally crushed. So you have to actually be the person. You have to be the leader that you wish you had. 
because you can actually grow your team. And we've, we've done that very successfully through what's called self-managed teams, which I'll get into later. We don't have a top-down organization like head doc and assistants and managers. We don't manage anything. Stuff gets managed, but people get led. No one wants to be managed. I don't want to be managed. None of you guys want to be managed. But we can always manage to results. So I'll talk about that a little later if we get to it. So. Yeah, and one of the common problems that I think I was guilty of too is I never defined the vision that I had in my head to my team. And so I think that's a very common problem for, for us as business owners and dentists is that in our head it's, it's clear, but we've never really articulated what that is. And it's hard to recruit people. So I, a lot of people start and they have no GPS. Like, okay, this is where we want to be, but like, how do we get there? And it, everyone just starts going off and there's no GPS and you haven't given your team a roadmap. And, and, and I think that's a fundamental problem. So I've had to really be intentional about communicating, here's how we get here, and literally reverse engineering as much as possible the goals, because the, everyone wants to be aligned with a goal greater than themselves. It's truly. And one other thing, too, is everybody gets stuck in the tyranny of the how. So people get to us and say, well, how do I do it? When do I hire the associate? When do I build a lab? When do I open up a second location? And that, that tyranny of the how, you, you're stuck because you can't even figure out, you don't even know where you're going. So everybody has these five and 10 year goals. They're total bullshit. The landscape is changing so much. Just, but, but the value of a vision, of a really well-executed vision, in my experience, I did what's called a descriptive vision. So I was lucky enough to have uh, someone work in my office that like had a side business of mentoring, life coaching, whatever. And she said, what's your descriptive vision? I'm so what's a descriptive vision? So in 2008, I actually wrote out what my future life was going to look like. It was all bullshit because I didn't have anything. I had three people in my office and my dad and I, and we were probably doing between the two of us, maybe 750000 of gross revenue between two dentists working full time. So I wrote out a day in my life as if it's going to happen. But I wrote out why, like, the, you know, the Simon Sinek why. I wrote out what it's going to make me feel. So I said, I walk through the office. It looks like this. I'm proud of my team because they're this. You know, I lectured in Texas that day. I'd never lectured before. So I kind of just wrote it all out. I know it sounds a little woo-woo, a little hocus-pocus, but there's something that you trick your brain. And I believe that everybody that's accomplished anything great had a vision for what it felt like before they did it. So we all go through life if, I, life, if I just had this, then I'll feel that. If I just got this, then I'd feel that. But the feelings, you can actually just focus on the, like, what you want to accomplish and what it's going to feel like, and I believe it really cements that. And we are guilty, by the way, of over-communicating our vision to the people closest to us. Peter knows my vision, my wife knows my vision, all my friends know my vision, but does all your team know your vision? If you asked everybody in your office, you have a five-person office, what business are we in? Why do we exist beyond making money? You're going to get, if you get 10 different answers, oh, Doc likes to be on time. Oh, no, Doc's charitable. Oh, no, Doc hates Mondays. You got to have that alignment, even if you're just three or four, because dentistry, as much as it's unfortunate that patients can't appreciate our marginal integrity, they only appreciate the experience and the vibe they get. So if you can work really hard on creating an exceptional experience, I believe you'll be bulletproof. We got to move faster. All right. Sorry. We got to keep going. Sorry. So um, that's no. a good lead. Okay. Okay. That's a big leadership, you know, a team and culture is one of the things that we are both very, uh, we're in agreement in different, different capacities on that, but we both agree that culture is almost everything, and that's a, a foundation now of a lot of our marketing, especially with the social media and such, it's really just to magnify what we're doing on the ground game in, in our marketing, and so the team and culture we really invest very heavily in. Um, so this is a picture of, of my team. It's a picture of Craig's team, obviously, in social media, and just having fun and, and bringing a lot of fun back to dentistry. Um, yeah, for me, the greatest sense of fulfillment, the greatest level of success for me is actually the fulfillment that I get from my team. 
So I know that sounds kind of a little backwards, but I believe that money is the lagging indicator of creating an exceptional experience, exceptional dentistry. Money shows up from that. So people may say like, oh yeah, everybody's happy because you have this freaking crazy practice. Everybody be happy. Yeah, of course. But I had that before. So the, the, we had, happiness was a big portion of our directive before the new office. I read a book by Tony Shea. Most people are familiar with his book, uh, Delivering Happiness. Anybody here read that? Raise your hand. Amazing book. He talks about how happiness is just good for business. Another one by Sean Accor, The Happiness Advantage. When people are happy, they're more resourceful. So and it's tangible when you walk in that office, meaning from a consumer's perspective, you can walk in some business that you're about to give money to and be like, it's palpable. You can feel like, this is a good place. This has good energy. The same thing happens in dentistry, and I think it's super important because a lot of people don't want to be there in the first place, Yeah. right, yeah. from a patient perspective. You ever go into like a restaurant, by the way, and you're like, what do you recommend? Like, I've never eaten here. The waitress is like, I've never eaten here. Yeah, he's like, it's like, okay. Holy shit, like, I don't want to. Or if you like, oh, don't get that, get this. Or, you know, what's the special? And the, the, per- the waitress goes, oh my God, the special's amazing. You know, Danny caught the fish. This guy, Danny, goes spear fishing every day. Like, how long have you been working here? Oh, I've been working here for 15 years. Like, you love that restaurant. Right, you're in. You're in. So you're in it. Yeah. And, and that's the culture that's resonating with that person, exactly. Yeah. Give a little, my practice, so I have uh, four practices. They're all a little bit different. Um, it's called Atlanta Dental Spa, so they all kind of have a theme of being high touch. Um, here's one, here's my first practice. I wanted to just give some pictures because pictures are good for a presentation. Here's my, my flagship in Buckhead. If any of y'all have been to Atlanta, Buckhead is more of our like, kind of Rodeo Drive area. And this is the one I just built um, in an area called Virginia Highlands. Um, and so Craig and I, we are aligned in many things. He, he wanted to build more of a hospital in his area, meaning everyone come to him. And I, my methodology was more, I want to, to go out to everyone because Atlanta is notorious for traffic and people literally will not drive outside of their five mile bubble from the, from the borough in which they live. So I had to go to them as opposed to him being the, the, the mecca for um, Here's your office. I have to say, the first time I walked in, Craig, I tell this story all the time. The first time I walked in your office, you don't know this maybe, but I was feeling pretty good about myself. I'm like, man, look what I've created. Like, cool. And I walked in and I was like, hmm, so what have I been doing? Competing on a whole different level. It literally looks like the Apple store, like on steroids for dentistry. And it's crazy. But the first time I was like, hmm, I was totally green with envy, just like, this is a different level. Yeah. So anyway. Thanks, Peter. Um, yeah, I'll tell the bank that you like it because they own most of it. So I'll let them know you're, you're, you like their building. Yeah. Yeah. But um, one of the things that you'll notice uh, from that picture, actually, if you back up, daylight's a very important thing. So daylight affects purchasing decisions. Daylight affects your mood. We spend more time in our offices than at home. We all hear that cliche. Our team does as well. And daylight is a really important thing to incorporate into healthcare environments. There was a study that was done that people put in an ICU uh, recover better and have less post-operative infections and nosocomial infections in recovery rooms that face outside, that face windows. So daylight is powerful if you can incorporate it. You see in the upper left picture there, those tubular round things, that are the, and those are live trees in there. So those are called solitubes. I don't work for solitude, but if you have uh, an office that's typical with like a more storefront and, and, and interior hallway that doesn't have exposure to light, you can actually bring daylight in with those tubes. So they're like skylights, pretty cool stuff. A really little is. side note. Culture's huge. We love that. We just won a Best Places to Work award. We won the Inc. Uh, 5000 award. So right now when we're trying to, you know, the big thing is tr- trying to get a qualified team. 
So we actually have um, videos with our team that our team's producing why they love working there. And there's nothing more powerful. If you place a, want ad, a help wanted ad and you're the doctor, they really don't believe too much of what you say. If, a, a great hack, a little thing to remember, have a couple of team members that love your practice Make their own video. It could be you know, quick and dirty on an iPhone, like what I love working about here. Hey, I'm Erica. I've been here for five years. I'm a dental assistant. What I love working for Dr. Jones is blah, 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 blah. Splice that together, put that on Facebook, and you should not have any issue uh, retaining And that account. kind of leads into the good marketing. That's social proofing the same way that you, when we have influence and, and social media, we rely on social proofing to validate our decisions as a consumer. And so the culture kind of resonates in all things and it touches everything from, from the, the patient experience to uh, it helps you transcend into the marketing. You so, know, one thing I want to just add on that, Peter and I talk about this, marketing's really dead. So there's two, there's a paradigm shift going on. I'm sure whoa, this whoa, won't whoa. be... Just kidding. No, uh, well, you, you can argue with me in a second, but I believe marketing is dead because it used to be you would pay someone to craft a story about you. You'd literally hire um, a graphic designer and a marketing company, and they would just craft a story that you're great, service with a smile, yada, yada, yada. So my challenge to everybody here is that either you pay someone to craft a story or you become remarkable, you become worthy of disseminating the story on your own. So if you actually do things in such a way that people are willing to talk about you for free, that is the truest form of marketing, not some graphic design company and some mailing company that's gonna send a bunch of BS to the pepper of the landscape. And that goes for the hiring process all the way down through social. Well, and marketing amplifies what you're doing. So if you're not really, if you don't want that amplified, it really becomes hard to market. There's only so much you know, manipulation of, a, of a, you know, SEO, spamming, and this and that. There's only so yeah. much you can do the if you don't a true, have, Yeah, the internet's a complete meritocracy. That's completely different now, you're right. Yeah. So culture's a big thing. You know, these are just some tips that I'm gonna go over real quick in marketing, because that is kind of my passion and really something I feel like that has grown my practices along the way. Craig may not agree with it, but, but I, I do. I just wanna make sure you, we're all looking now at the days at, at making sure your website personally is optimized for the web primarily and then a desktop. Because if you notice, and if you all look at, ever look at your Google Analytics, the landscape has changed now, and, and literally 70% of your traffic is coming from a mobile version. 70%, whereas that, that has, that, the, flip, the flipping happened probably, for me, about two years ago. And I, you know, but our, our beautiful, our beautiful uh, websites are created for the desktop version. So just want to kind of make everyone aware that you know, when you're designing something, Design it here first because that's where people's attention are, is. And really, nowadays, marketing is attention-based marketing. It's all in the computers that we put in our pockets. Um, so I'm going to give a couple of things. So again, this is, this is, this is a cool slide that kind of shows way, the way our society has transformed. Literally, on your way here, when you probably walk through the airport, if you ever walk through the airport and just looked at people's heads, no one is looking up anymore. Everyone is doing this. Everybody. So, like, you have to market to where people are giving their attention. Um, that's a big Barry, Gainer, Gary Vaynerchuk thing we were both big fans of. And he's, he's doubled, tripled down on that aspect because you have to go where people are looking. Yeah, and you can't control the message, though, which is, which is the most mind-blowing thing ever. So the website that I have is really slick on full desktop. I have a video that plays. On mobile, it sucks. Yep. It sucks because it doesn't load. And the, my website designer is like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're actually making their marketing for you. Mm -hmm. The marketing companies are actually trying to sell you. They don't care about moving the needle on the who gives a crap meter, which is wild. Okay, this is just a slide that I pulled from my analytics just showing the percentage um, of how it's just so important to get, to get into the mobile aspect because that's where your views are. <clears throat> 
Craig um, and I want to talk about the review aggregation because that's still a very important thing. Um, and I think Amazon has really morphed the way that we look at reviews or reinforce that in our, in our cultural mindset. Um, Craig has said that you know, he won't even go buy a pencil sharpener on Amazon without making sure it has, it has reviews that back us up. And again, this is the social proofing that we talk about in marketing and, this, and, the, and the social almost meritocracy, right? Yeah. Um, so Craig has obviously done really well with his reviews, and some of that has been because of this, uh, the service that you use called Podium. But well, I want to I interject because this is the guy that got me. So uh, Paul, oh, okay. Paul, Paul Etchinson, uh, we, were, we were together um, at a lecture I was doing in Dallas probably about like eight months ago. And Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, how, many, how long ago did you start your, your um, practice? Okay, so six years. So Paul comes over, he's like, hey man, you've been in business for 41 years, I've been in business for six years, I have more reviews than you. I'm like, what, the, who, you know, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Podium, blah, 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 blah. So I went from like 220 reviews to 634. It's Very like, quickly. Peter's like, you know, doesn't really matter now, you have 634. Well, like, my point yeah. was, is when you had 400, I was like, did that really move the needle when you got 600? Like, does it, you know, does it really matter? And, and, and I've kind of changed my tune on that because... Yeah because of the Amazon kind of effect. Well, also, no. your rank, so what we learned recently, um, and by the way, Podium, we have a, a plug from Podium. They're gonna, they, they'll take off the initiation fee and do something if you use a, a code Spodak for Bulletproof Dental Practice, but um, it works really well, and I was actually buying Peter's um, mantra, like, dude, you have 400, who cares? Like, at this point, it's, a, it's irrelevant. But what Google does is they look at your last and most frequent review. So if, you, if I pull the plug and don't get any more reviews, my ranking will fall because there's no relevant content. The web 1.0 was how much shit you could push out. Now it's how much conversation's happening about you, how much is being driven to you. And, and this is a part of being socially relevant. So you no know, one knows how the algorithm works in Google, but I suspect that it's becoming larger and larger tied to our social media. And this, believe it or not, is, is a form of social media and reputation management because it gives the relevancy, it's the social proofing, and it ties into all of that with Google and Facebook, for sure. And Podium got a major investment from, from Google. Google. Right. Was it like 10 or 50 million? I, I Something stupid. Yeah. Time, it's our most important asset. And I wanna thank you for using your time to listen to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Also wanna encourage you to do two things right now. Take out your phone, Text the word Bulletproof to the number 345345. What that's going to do is put you on our, uh, for lack of better words, a mailing list that's going to send out uh, text messaging and email just whenever we have announcements, whether it's the Bulletproof Summit that's coming up in October, uh, a book launch, um, or just giving access to some some private stuff that's inside the Bulletproof community. So I encourage you to just uh, take two seconds and whip that out and uh, text it to us. Again, Text the word bulletproof to three four five three four five. Secondly, please, if you're if you're loving the podcast, go ahead and, and um, click on your phone again and and click on the review and review us in in iTunes. We really appreciate it, just so we get some feedback. And again, if it's if it's a five star, awesome, bring it. But if it's one, like put that down and let us know how we do better. Appreciate it. Have a great day. So I had to change my mindset. I, I, I was treating reviews almost like a finish line, like, oh, I got to 100 for each location, like, I'm good. And, and the podium guys said, mm, you want to look at it from a relevancy thing because Google's going to look at how fresh and timely those are as well. And that factors all into... Which kind of sucks because you're never done. I was like kind of feeling like, I, yeah. 
this is one of my favorite tips to give to people that talk about Yelp, if you guys are on it. I, I think Yelp is the holy grail of reviews because if you guys, as you guys know in your practices, everything gets filtered. Every review almost seems like it filtered from Yelp. And I said, this is impossible to like get things aggregated on there. So I got this Yelp hack, I call it, from my friend Darren Shaw, who owns a company up in Canada called Whitespark. And, and here's what we do in order to get reviews posted on Yelp immediately. I don't even tell people who don't have an account to go give me a review on Yelp because it will immediately get filtered. It's not, it's not even worth your time. If you're not a Yelper, don't even bother. So what we do is I take my, my patient, I take my Eaglesoft, have my hygienist go through the night before, go, go to find my friends on Yelp and find out who the Yelpers are, the power Yelpers or the super Yelpers or, I don't know. Yelp elite. The Yelp elite, thank you, for the next day. And then we identify them for the ground game of the next day and we laser focus going after them and just saying, hey, not, not sure if you're using Yelp or not. And they're like, yes, I'm a, I'm a super Yelper. Like, they're so proud of that. And they will leave your review before you leave the office. So it's very strategic because it's super hard to get. So use that because I, I think Yelp is um, going to become more and more important as we have practices who kind of just abuse the Google reviews and have 634 reviews. Like, you know... Just abusive. You're just abusing Google's generosity, but Yelp will not let you, not let you uh, do that to them. Yeah, but um, just a quick uh, disclaimer: you don't want to overtly solicit Yelp Yelp reviews. Everyone knows about their uh, solicitation policy. I had a cute little sign a couple years ago, like, "Hey, if you're a Yelper, like, come check in at the front desk." And someone snapped on Yelp. They just put a little photo, like, "Hey," and they even look out for Yelp reviews, and they posted it. And Yelp gave me that really scary email that they're going to blacklist my. Um, business. So this little hack that you're doing, let's keep it between us dentists uh, and don't don't. Well, I don't have a sign in my office. I'm sorry? I don't have a sign in my office. I know. Who, who would be so silly to put a sign on? Silly. Yeah. Dumb. Don't do that. Um, so again, we're, we both are into social media. I think social media is becoming more and more important, not, not only as a megaphone for your culture, but again, into the algorithm because getting someone to mention you in their feed is, again, the holy grail, I think, of, of social media. Yes, it's cool to take pictures of your stuff and put them on your page, but get people to take pictures of, of them in your office and then tag, and then get it posted in their timeline or their Instagram and then tag you because the average person has 318 friends and so if you think about that exposure at scale, you know, they take a picture, put it in their timeline, and now you've gotten that exposure for free pretty much to 318 friends, which are pretty much like them, who you really like in your office. So you're really kind of scaling the people that you want in your office. So I tell my team, make sure we get mentions, social mentions, because that's the credibility, that's the street cred in today's day and age. Um, again, this is, I use Hootsuite to kind of monitor all the social channels and strive, strive, strive for social mentioning. Um, these are both of our channels. I think that's the only time I've beat you in a number, by the way. No, you beat me in a lot of numbers, unfortunately. So uh, this is the, that's our Instagram, both very, very active. By the way, if your Facebook page has a ton of content on it and the last person to ever like or comment on a post was like six months ago, you need to take a long look at your Facebook page. And there's a lot of services that, that are out there that will generate content with you know Garfield smiling and brushing and, oh, it's Monday, need coffee and stuff like that. If you're not getting likes on your Facebook page, if you have no 
engagement. It's time to really seriously rethink that. Because what that means is you're intruding into people's news feeds and you're going to get um, unliked or unfriended. Also remember, Facebook and social media is not a form of push advertising. It's not like calls for $500 off. It's intrusive. It's engagement. It's engagement. What do you think of this? Yeah, so if you're not posting something of value, people get angry nowadays because time is the biggest hot button, right? That's why Amazon and Uber are so popular is because they become time machines and allow us to maximize our time. So if you're not providing something of value, just don't post it. Like he's saying, like the Garfield stuff and the and the pictures of like dental memes. Yeah, the and Star stuff. Wars like, tooth. Like it's funny to us, but like everyone's like, I don't want my five seconds back. You know. Um, and by the way, see what I did there. Go back one. You see, I put a before and after. Never do that. People hate that stuff. I know we like it because it looks like you know we're dental geeks and we like to show our before and afters. Video, visual, happy stuff. I mean, some of the posts that can get the most engagement are like inspirational I, quotes. I disagree with that too because we have to have a megaphone. And I but well, I try and keep the ratio at like three to one. So every time, do a funny, funny. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Here's what we do. Right? So keep your ratio healthy. Don't just make it case after case after case after case. Provide value in making them laugh or like, how cute is that? Look at that onesie or whatever. And then be like, oh, and by the way, we're awesome. Look at this case. Okay. Jab, 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 give. Right? Yep. Gary V. I'm huge into social influencers because I think that is the best leverage of marketing at scale. Um, Kim is one of my, my patients. She talks about it on Instagram a lot. Um, so is her, her husband, Croy. And I l legitimately go after social influencers right now. I find them, I seek them out, and I give them offers. <clears throat> Doing a couple free Invisalign cases right now because these people have you know, over 300,000 followers. And so I think this is the most underpriced um, marketing that you can do is giving treatment to the influencers because they are magic. I can't tell you how, many, how much business has gone up just because of, of this lady. And she's awesome. I really like her and her husband. But and by the way, you may not know you have a massive influence in your practice. So the other day, someone came in my office and she posted something. And she has like 100. I'm like trying to find our influencers. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, but I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, we're both into that, influencers. Um, talk about your boy. So I was lucky enough to have Tony Robbins as a patient, and the first time he came to my office uh, after the experience, he said, hey, do you mind if I put something on my Facebook page that says you're my dentist? And I'm like, uh, let, me, let me think about that. You know, I'm not sure if that's gonna be good or bad, you know? Go ahead. So I'm like, he's like, do you want it? Can you give me a social quotable? Can you tell me something? I'm like, you know what, just say whatever you want. So he came up with this effusive quote about how, how the th three generations of dentistry and blah, blah, blah. So I was really blessed to have him in my life because he's a major inspirational force in my life. And I've gone through a lot of Tony stuff. A lot of people make fun of me that I'm all rah, 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 but he has that effect on people. Peter's actually going to be going soon, too. So I'm excited for him to share the Kool-Aid. But the reason why I have this picture up here is because Tony was generous enough through my friend Tom Zaganer, who's in the back from ab 4 k to provide everybody a copy with Unshakable, the Financial Freedom Playbook. And I had to buy that. I had to buy four copies, actually, at $28. <laughs> so um, I've never received a free copy. So I know that it was a massively beneficial book for me because I am the case study and dental ambassador for AB401K. I had an egregious 401K plan. And one of my hygienists read Tony's first book, Money Master the Game, and said, we have to check our 401K fees. I'm like, no, we don't. The guy's awesome. He brings me donuts. We don't have to do that. And then she came, comes back a couple of weeks later and says, you have a fiduciary responsibility to check your fees. So I asked my friend, who's an attorney, what does that mean? He says, you're liable for the plan. 
meaning if they're overcharging you, you could have, um, you could be fined. I'm like, well, I only have 200 grand in the plan. He's like, it doesn't matter. Your fine could be 500 grand. Check your fees. Check my fees. Found I was paying 2.87%. The difference between what I'm paying now at 0.68% and that accounts to $1.4 million of savings just by switching. It's freaking crazy. And by the way, the $1.4 million of savings, I'm the largest beneficiary of my own 401k plan. Not that I, you know, I want to take care of my team, but it affects me the most. So thank you to Tom Zaginner from AB401k. And yeah, I use them as well. And I have to say, Tom, literally, you guys handled everything. I was so dreading the process of like, oh, how much time is this going to take? And literally, like, my team handled it, and you guys are just super hands-on, so kudos, kudos to y'all. It's a great, great company. And one, one more thing about them, though, too, which is cool. Eight minutes. I, I know. I'm, I'm going to speak really quick, yeah. which is really cool, yeah. kind of cool, though. He, uh, I asked Tom, I said, have you lost any clients over all these people that you've put on? Have any, has anybody ever dropped off? And up to the time I last asked him, which was just two months ago, he's never had a dentist or a client leave him, which is pretty darn cool. I've had patients leave my practice. I don't know about you guys. Go ahead. Um, so we'll jump right into the last column, which is the system and metrics, which I think is super important, especially given the context of what I told you what happened to me in 2015 of being literally stolen from and not knowing about it. Um, you, you know, I'm a big fan now of, of Carl Pearson, who says that which is measured is improved, essentially. And it's so true. If you focus, you get what you focus on. You truly do. So if you're, if you're down in a month and you're truly focused on, on a certain aspect, just watch the magic that happens because your, your psychology and your mind and just everything kind of goes into play and things get enacted. Um, yeah, I mean, even the, to, to credit Pearson's law, if you have a scale in your bathroom and you weigh yourself every day, even if you're not intending to lose weight, people tend to lose weight. So if you, what you focus on and report back just tends to Im improve, even if you don't put any systems around it. Mm -hmm. So if you talk about your goals or if you talk about your numbers, your net patient growth, and it's actually brought up in every morning huddle, it will tend to improve, even without systems. Agreed. Agreed. So that slide was pretty much every, every practice has systems. Is were, were they created by you? And sometimes they're systems of chaos, unfortunately, and putting out fires. So the more we can reverse engineer that and become intentional about our day, the better. And I know Mark's a huge advocate of having a systems-driven dental practice, um, which I am as well. So these are kind of my systems, and I kind of have a manual in the way we do it for everything now. And Craig is not so much on board with that. He's more of a self-managed team, which, you know, we differ, in it, and, it, and it, both, it works for us independently. Um, I'm also a big fan of video training, because I think videos are the best leverage, even in marketing, on your website, and videos are also great for training your team. You guys are all probably aware of it. It gets super frustrating to teach someone how to take a CT scan for the 10th time in your practice. And you're like, God, if I, video helps you do things at scale. So do it once, do it well, and tell the new hire, hey, go watch this video because it will show you how to do it right in our practice. So I'm a huge fan of video in marketing and education internally. Great place to park those videos, by the way, is on an internal Facebook page. I know we all have our own private pages and our business pages. Get an internal secret group for your office, whether it's five people or 50 people. It's the internal page so that you can post them there. These are the three most important metrics for us that are not, you know, the dental economics would probably disagree, but these are the three things that I focus on every <laughs> single day, and that's it. I wanted to boil it down to three because you know, you can get bogged down and analysis can be paralysis. And you can, you know, sometimes we get just overloaded with all this data and like what's moving the needle. So these three things I focus on and I promise you if these go up, then everything is good. So the number of patient uh, visits per month, obviously just the number of people coming into your practice is number one. Number two is the average dollar of that visit, right? If that's going up as well, then obviously you're making more revenue. And number three 
is don't only focus on new patients. We always have been brainwashed to say that new patient, new patient, new patient. Well, I found that I, you know, we get 200 new patients a month in the ecosystem, so to speak, but we're losing 180. So my, my, you know, the ground game, I was, it was just on a big treadmill. Yeah, net patient growth. The net patient growth. So now we focus on true practice growth, which is your new patients minus your attrition. So I don't even, I don't even want to hear the new patient numbers. What did we grow? This month. And also, a new patient is a really costly endeavor. I know 100%. it's the holy grail in dentistry. Like, oh, I get 50 new patients a month. Like, it's some great thing. But new patients don't trust you. They, they don't know you. They don't accept what you recommend. There's nothing better than an existing patient. So if you have a hole in your back door, which I did, I was getting at 1.250 new patients. And I had a loss, I found out through yeah. Dental Intel, of like 290. I was negative 40 patients a month. I so was it's like, a wide like, open front door. It's crazy. A wide open back door, you know, yeah. and you're on the dope. We're both fans. We both use this. It's just Dental Intel helps me and my team really stay accountable to some of these things. It's something, you know, I know there's tons of business intelligence software. It's one that I've liked and I feel like I've, I've popped the hood on a lot of them. What's nice about Dental Intel is for people like me that don't do well with spreadsheets and I, I just want color or graphs. I want to see green and you red. You just want to hug all day long and shake I hands. Wanna, I just want to, yeah, I just want to help people and hug people, but like that's just Numbers? Um, wow, we actually are, are going to be on time. Okay. Um, we are going to be holding a, in Atlanta, a, a Bulletproof Summit that's really going to expand on a lot of these ideas, have some other cool people involved. Um, this is more or less just to save the date. Obviously, you can tell there's no, there's no day number to it. Those we, places look nice, though. Are, dude, are those real images? That, One's actually a schematic. It hasn't been built yet. I no, like that's that. the streets of Buckhead. No, that's no, our Rodeo that, Drive. That, that, that's I'm, the St. bullshit, man. That's a schematic. That's, yeah, that's I know. Computer rendering. Come, dude, come on. Help me. We're computer rendering our future summit. I like it. So it'll be in October in Atlanta. Atlanta has direct flights pretty much every city. So And the St. Regis, we got an awesome room date. So as soon as we um, get, the, get the date finalized, um, we expect all y'all to be there. Peter, would you mind, since we have a couple extra minutes, I want to talk about system versus um, self-managed team. Okay. Okay, so there, there's this theory in work that people are stupid and lazy and that they need to have protocols for everything. And I think in dentistry, what I notice in dentistry is that we lag behind business. So in business, what, what is, was popular 10 years ago is now reaching dentistry. And I think what's popular now in business will hit us in 10 years in dentistry. So in the, in the global world of true business, people are becoming less managed. People are becoming more self-managed. And I adopted this idea through my friend Chuck Blakeman in my office where we have these self-managed teams. And I want to tell you that about four years ago, my, this little team of people had an idea to become um, elite or super elite providers of Invisalign. So at the time, we were doing 50 cases a, uh, a year, and that level's 200. They created a whole system around it and actually presented their compensation plan when they got it. Said, hey, when we get this, you're going to give us this. And I'm like, hey, I'll give you more than that. You know, I'll take you all out to the Ritz-Carlton, all of you guys, if you get that. And uh, they got it. And I didn't really have that much to do with it. So I know that dentistry doesn't teach us, dental school doesn't teach us how to lead a team. They don't teach us much about business. But your people that work in your office are your greatest asset. They, they can be... An investment. An investment, yeah, correct. We all talk about you know, appreciation of our assets. We all think about physical assets. Your human capital is going to be the greatest thing they can appreciate. And that what you appreciate, appreciates. So if you can just unlock the potential in your team, and this is what I really love talking about, so I'm just happy to get a little bit of this out of here, 
If you can unlock the potential in them, if you can give them the results that you want to get to, don't get too tied into the mechanics. Because let's face it, your admin team knows how to take the calls better than you could ever dream. They know what result you want to get to. So if you're really clear about the result and give them the freedom to get to that result, then uh, your team can really unlock a lot of potential in your office. And that's something I'm really proud of. I actually have very little idea about what's going on in my practice. This Peter, is true. Peter's always like, hey, dude, what's that? I'm like, I have no freaking clue, but I'll CC you on the email. And my team is really fulfilled because they're all doing a lot more than sucking spit. So one of my lead hygienists and uh, lead assistants, they no longer practice clinically. They practice in an admin function. They expand their talents and they make other leaders. So our, our concept's a leader, leader, and we don't have management. Oh, really? 10 minutes? It says 56 seconds here, bro. Really? Nice. Oh, it sucks for you guys. We're going to talk your ears off. The, yeah, the hookup. You'd have to do that with us. I tell you what, let me ask Craig how much he weighs. How, how much do you, How tall are you? I'm um, six foot five. How, how much do you weigh? I weigh. I'm pretty sure. I, I got a joke for you. Where are you going with this? I don't know. All right. So where's my pink suit? Um, I, I agree with Craig, and it works really well. Sorry, Der uh, Mark. Oh yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Hey, I feel like we should sit because that's a better Q and A style. Okay, you sit, I'll stand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Thank you for that. So, so the concept of hiring is really paternalistic. So let's say you have two, two ladies of the admin team. I would always tend to hire a certain type of person. They're funny. They're bubbly. They're nice. And I'm like, I would just literally say to the admin team, here's your new spouse. Like, get along for the next 10 years. Like, have fun, guys. And it was really just interesting because I, I don't, you know, I can hire people what I think is the right fit for people. But now we really let the teams hire. So we let the teams hire and fire. And we have peer-to-peer -peer review surveys. So you get rated by your peers. We actually have a concept called the SDG Bucks program. It's the Spodak Dental Group Bucks. Every month, people get $50, a $50 buck. Uh, um, a currency. Spodak buck. Spodak buck. Yeah. And it's not redeemable for cash. It is redeemable, redeemable for cash, but if you want to redeem it for cash, you lose 50% of the face value because we know people value experiences and cash doesn't really mean much. You'll, you won't, you'll forget quickly the $200 bonus you may have gotten from your dentist uh, boss, but you won't forget a dinner that you had with your, with your team for hitting but a how does that relate work. to hiring? Wasn't uh, that question about hiring? Yeah. Yeah, it's a meritocracy, a but it's, it's all team. Okay. So the team is actually giving the bucks around. So we don't, I don't get, so some people have $3,000 of reward bucks. And we have to, we make it a public thing every morning, why you're giving your reward buck away. What have you done with our core values to, to, um, to, to hit the mark and, and we get that reward. So there's not too many people coming up to me and saying, you know, I've not gotten a reward. What, you know, that's really unfair. Well, what are you doing? What are you, how are you showing up? So it's a peer peer-reviewed meritocracy. So to get to your question, we actually have the teams hire and fire on their own. We have people getting voted off the island. We had a girl that wanted to apply for the um, front desk position. She was a friend of, of, of some of the girls. I, and I heard, I wasn't part of the meeting, but they literally said, hey, Sammy, you can't take the greeter position. You cry all the time. You're, you freaking cry on everything. That's a tough position. She's like, well, I'm not gonna cry. Like, but you cry all the time. Like, you're going to cry right now. And she's like, you watch me. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to do that job. I'm not going to cry. So, like, imagine if I would have had that conversation. That would have been like an HR violation. So they hold each other to a standard, and they hire and fire. 
So it used to be, someone's not doing their job, go tell Mr. Manager, you know, doctor, hey, Sally's not doing her job. Okay, then I come back, hey, Sally, you're not doing your job. Hey, Betty, get along with Sally. Mm -hmm. It's like, be an adult. Hey, Sally, when you don't do your job, it makes me have to work really hard. And that's going on in our Facebook page, the internal Facebook page. We had a whole bunch of people not showing up for work because they were sick with the flu. And finally, someone said, like, listen, I have a sore throat. I'm not feeling well. I am here. Nikki, you're out. It's creating a huge amount of work for us. Please, if you do that, find your replacement. Stacy says, guys, I'm going to be out tomorrow. I asked Noelia. She's going to come in. I hired my replacement. So it's this whole adult thing of people being an adult. Work is defined as you're stupid and lazy, and let me try to push you to do your work. This is like just own the result, and it's a much different idea. I kind of the same. I, I, I like that because that, that resonates with me as well. I don't even meet uh, potential hires until they've been hired. And the team does the hiring yeah, because I, I, say, I, I tell them, I was like, you guys like where you come to work. You like the culture. You love your job, everything about it. The wrong hire can ruin that environment, and it can make it a miserable existence. You know, it's all, under, our, our, under Armour commercial that I grew up with, it's like, who will protect this house? You have to protect this house, and I make that ab about them. And so if they all vote the person on the island, then I'm like, yeah, let me meet you. But I don't, I, I don't really need to be involved in the process because it doesn't really affect me as much as it does the team. And if they get kicked, if one of my team members gets kicked out of a department, like an oral surgeon and like this girl, Stacy, they say, we don't want Stacy here anymore, you have to write her a recommendation letter or not to get her in another department. So I was like, well, Stacy's off, you're voting her off the island, do you think she's a fit for the practice? Write her a recommendation letter. And they couldn't. And Stacy knew, she knew her team had voted her off the island. It's a true meritocracy. And like Peter says, I don't get involved. I'm like, what happened to that dude? Oh, he didn't work out. Where's this girl? Oh, you'd like her, go talk to her. So it's really nice because it creates freedom. Which and that's is a very liberating place to it's be. It's super yeah, liberating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hate that part. And salary reviews are so paternalistic. Like, you sat in your butt for another year, Sally. Here's a gold star. You know, it's not about that. We can actually, the salaries can actually be determined with the self-managed team as well. So the Invisalign bonus system, like we have for the Invisalign self-managed team, three people got kicked off that team because we're getting a $5,000 bonus and Christy didn't even show up at any of the meetings. They said, Christy, you didn't contribute. We have a $5,000 check. It is not fair that you share in this. And Christy said, you're right. If I would have said that, yeah. holy shit. Right. Any other? You got it. No, no, no. They're not determining the pay raises. Okay. No, no, no. No, my, mine are. Well, but, but, but yours is a, a aggregate goal, and then it's divided up. Like, you help define that, right? They're not just saying, hey, if we hit, like, let's make it really low, and if we hit that, then we get this. So they're not defining what they get paid. They're just de de defining who gets to participate in the contribution of that. Did everyone build it up? Well, no. Mine are actually fine. I'm oh, notorious great. This is going well. No, I'm just, no, I mean, because like in my office, I'll literally say, you know, you're working at Hooters every night. You need to find yourself a raise here. Like you need to I find see. a way to make this a triple win. Good for you. Good for the organization. And good, for the, good for the bottom line. So what can you do? They're like, well, I can make dental intel calls on the weekend. I'm like, well, what about if you actually get scheduled production? Find a metric that will work. Because if you can just show up and come in in your own time, you know, and, and actually put money that's completed on the books, why would I not pay you? I'm going to pay $800 for a magazine or $500 for PPC. Why not pay you the money? You know, you know, so we actually tell people, this is your business. We don't have employees. We have stakeholders. Employees are like, oh, this place sucks. I can't do anything about it. Stakeholders are like, this sucks right here, and I'm going to own it. I'm going to fix it. 
And then they have a two-step decision-making process where they find out, they gather some people. They don't just railroad ideas through. They say, hey, Nikki, hey, Noelle, is this a good idea? Can I do this? What would be bad about that? And they can actually define their own pay, okay. which is what we do. We define our own pay as owners. Both of us Both are. Both of us are. Yeah. Full, full, well, I'm full-time. I mean, there every week. Um, so I am at two days a week clinically. I'm there all the time. I just do a lot more consultations now because that's what we found to be a lot more my highest and best use of my time is, is patient consultations. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so yeah. I um, do because I don't really do much of the administrative work in the practice because of the, those things. But just like our practice, the, the people that are leaders in the practice, they lead the team. They lead me too. Like when I show up late for huddle, by the way, I get chewed out. Like Peter was there. Like but I'm there, like, so the thing is, I really like the business of dentistry, so I'm there all the time. It's just clinically, I, I think that's what you were asking, is it, yeah, so, so Craig practices five days a week because he has people to help. I'm the, CM, I'm the CEO, the marketing manager, the CMO, the CEO, I'm all that. So I had to shrink it down as I grew at scale. Mm -hmm. I, I have an office manager managers. and I have a personal assistant that is not clinical just to help me be more effective. And that was single-handedly the greatest thing I ever did for myself, just... As a side note. And I, just on the opposite, I don't have any management. There, so, we, um, there's a question back there, yes, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so Peter's laughing because he knows they don't know these numbers, but um, I, I, last time I checked and uh, I saw the ticker on Dental Intel, I think my um, uh, production per patient is 500. Would you say, Peter? Peter has my Dental it's Intel. 520. 520. Uh, because we have multi-specialty as well. So, you know, the oral surgeon and the endodontist kick that up a little bit, you know what I mean? Or, and we have a lot of hygiene. We have eight hygienists, so that kicks it down. Um, uh, patients per month, I have 176, but we limit it. We actually limit our new patients. So we actually, for, we have fee-for-service blocks because we have a hybrid PPO model. So I'm not on PPOs, but other doctors are. So I tell people that new hires, new doctors, if you're on PPOs in five years, you failed. I believe you could be, differentiate yourself enough in our space, in our area, that you could actually be fee-for-service. So it's your graduation program. So we actually limit uh, the amount of PPO blocks. So if you call it with MetLife, you might wait four months. If you call it fee-for-service, you'll be seen today. It's just how it works. You know, the doctor that takes your plan is booked four months. However, we have a doctor that's out of network that can see today the difference to you is blah, 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 blah. And then what was the last question? How, the marketing budget. Oh, um, you don't know 2%, that 2%. I do know it, that. It, it, 2%. Yes, he's right. Yeah, 2%. But why do I know But I classify, so I put the person that does, we have an internal marketing person, I put her in our budget. And I tell her that when you save money, your salary goes up. If you save money, we get to our results, your salary goes up. And so mine's about 2% owner. is, well, I know you didn't, but that's, that's where we're kind of aligned. Um, it's about that 2% mark of last year's, last year's. But swag goes month. in there too. Everything goes in there. So like chapsticks and sunglasses and stuff like that. We're getting the X, so thank you for your patience and time. Patient and gifts attention. go in there, like we yeah. give a lot, oh. Sorry, we get, we get the big X, I oh. don't know. Does that mean, the, when's the clown come on? Oh, we're out of time. It's like it, the night at the Apollo, right? <laughs> T-shirt gun. Yeah. Thank you guys, thank you. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.